a few announcements. <laughs> we have quite a few announcements this morning, so I will get started. The first one is make a donation. To help support the ongoing work of Grace United Church, please consider making your donation in any of the following ways via cash or check on the Sunday collection plate or drop off to the office or in the secure mailbox during the week. Via e-transfer at either treasurer at graceunitedhanover.ca or graceunited at whiteman.ca. Online via Canada Helps or register for monthly givings via pre-authorized authorized remittance, which is PAR, which we Stewardship Committee has been promoting for years and years, and we really appreciate those who have done their donations this way. Um, now that we have resumed passing the offering plate, rather than leaving it at the entrance, um, we are looking for volunteers who will help each Sunday. Two people are needed to take up the offering now. The Gumdrop, the Craft Plus group is making gumdrop cakes again this year. Large cakes are 24, small cakes are 13. Um, orders can still be taken. And the first orders, I understand, are ready for pickup this morning. So in the CE Hall after worship. Oops. On Tuesday, November the 29th, from 1 to 4, Susan Schlorf will be leading the workshop and supplying us with materials to make three Christmas cards. Anyone who likes to be creative and enjoys doing Christmas activities is welcome. Um, she will provide, uh, treat, or, treats will be provided and it's $15 per person and register with Sally. The Salvation Army Christmas Tree Angel Program has begun for the Christmas season. Be a Christmas angel to a child in our community by taking a tag from the tree at the back of the sanctuary and returning your gift by December the 9th. Gifts should be unwrapped, but gift bags are greatly appreciated. And on the announcements, there's a list of uh, suggestions for ages, etc. And a huge thank you to everyone who participated in our Sandra Howes Memorial Fall Food Drive. We, we collected uh, 570.8 pounds of food and $126.85 in donations. Just a reminder that last spring we only collected 325 pounds of food. So this was certainly a big improvement. And while I have everybody's attention, 
I am just going to point out the planned legacy gift pamphlets that are on the table at the back. Planned legacy gifts are a way that we can leave a gift for life to our church through your will, gift annuities, or gifts of securities and mutual funds. Our stewardship committee has been promoting this for a number of years, and we would be happy to provide you with any information, although it's pretty self-explanatory in the um, pamphlet here. So if you're at all interested or feel that this is a way that you can contribute to the church as a legacy in your name, please pick up a pamphlet from the back on the table. And also, I just want to draw your attention. I'm from stewardship, so I can say what I like about stewardship. Um, I just want to draw your attention to our stewardship second that is being printed in your bulletin or in your announcement sheet every Sunday. This is put out by the National Church, and it just gives us something to think about for the week. It's just a little blurb, but it just reminds us of how important our lives are and how our givings are, can be used in so many different ways. Thank you. We recognize that we are on the traditional territory of the Adawa, Mississauga, and Anishabake First Nations and the Métis people, and that we are all people of Treaty 45 and a half. May we continue to work to be in right relations with our indigenous neighbors and speak up and speak out against systematic racism and colonialism. As we come to light our Christ candle, we give thanks, first of all, for all the saints who have held the Christ candle for us when we had no strength to hold it ourselves. We give thanks for all the saints whose lives stand as witness in light and love and who invite, and who invite our light to join theirs. And we give thanks also for those whose work for peace and justice, inspiring us to learn, grow, and discover our own light in this good work of healing the world with God's love. Our first hymn this morning is from Voices United 375, Spirit, Spirit of Gentleness.
Please join me in our call to worship. Our scripture this morning will call us to provoke one another with love. How? Provoke, to surprise, inspire, energize, and even scare. With good deeds and kindness, generosity and forgiveness, with extravagant loving of God, and our neighbor, we will provoke one another to love. In our opening prayer, God, 
You created nature's abundance. You made all things to renew, heal, and even in death to nourish the earth. We come this day to consider how we too can provoke one another to love and good deeds. Help us not neglect to meet together, even when we must do so masked or online. Help us to encourage one another to stay connected and kind, no matter what our lives or communities throw our way. God, you created us in your abundant love. You made all things to renew, heal, and even in, in, even in our imperfections to forgive and be forgiven. Thanks be to you, God, of our creation. Amen. Our next hymn is We Praise You from Voices United 218. mission and scripture will be read by Sally this morning. We recently received a wonderful thank you letter from Bissell Centre, a mission and service partner located in Edmonton. We'd like to share it with you with thanks for your generosity. Thank you to the wonderful people of the United Church of Canada. It's with gifts like yours that we're able to meet people facing poverty and houselessness where they're at. We look forward to collecting and sharing more stories with you like this one about John. John is one of the community members at Bissell Centre. Is that really echoing? <laughs> um, and has a passion and talent for art 
In fact, he's been named Bissell's artist in residence. His work has been commissioned by Bissell to provide an authentic, community-made element to our event advertising, our annual impact reports, and several donor thank you gifts. His pieces often feature powerful imagery drawn from his indigenous heritage and always in a spirit of celebration. His art was the focal point of the event poster for Bissell's celebration of National Indigenous Peoples Day this year. Inspired by the love and support he has received, John wanted a way to give back. He designed, organized, and now facilitates a weekly art program called Good Art. In the workshops, he guides people to express themselves in a healthy way through art that means something to them. Folks are encouraged to share about the art they make at the end of each workshop as, as a way to build and strengthen community. Your support provided a space for this to happen, and your gifts are having a palpable, a palpable impact in the lives of Edmontonians facing poverty and houselessness. Thank you very much, United Church of Canada. Shared with gratitude for your gifts through mission and service, thank you for your generosity. The scripture reading this morning is from 1 Samuel 1, verses 4 to 20. Whenever he sacrificed, Elkanah would give parts of the sacrifice to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But he would give only one part of it to Hannah, though he loved her because the Lord had kept her from conceiving. And because the Lord had kept Hannah from con conceiving, her rival would make fun of her mercilessly just to bother her. So that is what took place year after year. Whenever Hannah went to the Lord's house, Peninnah would make fun of her. Then she would cry and wouldn't eat anything. Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah would say to her. Why won't you eat? Why are you so sad? Aren't I worth more to you than ten sons? One time, after eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah got up and presented herself before the Lord. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting in the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Hannah was very upset and couldn't stop crying as she prayed to the Lord. Then she made this promise, Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give her a boy. Then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. As she kept praying before the Lord, Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was silent. So Eli thought she was drunk. How long will you act like a drunk? Sober up, Eli told her. No, sir, Hannah replied. I'm just a very, very sad woman. I haven't had any wine or beer, but have been pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think your servant is some good-for-nothing woman. This whole time I've been praying out of my great worry and trouble. Eli responded, Then go in peace, and may the God of Israel give you what you asked from him. Please think well of me, your servant, Hannah said. Then the woman went on her way, ate some food, and wasn't sad any longer. They got up early the next morning, and they worshipped the Lord. Then they went back home to Ramah. Elkanah had sex with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means, I asked the Lord for him.
I'd like to introduce to you this morning our special gift of music will be presented to us by Doug Tielli. Thank you, Doug. And Heather's going to join me on piano. Oh. Thank you very much, Doug and Heather. Our message this morning is brought to you by Reverend Norm Sally, um, and his sermon is entitled, Does Prayer Work in Real Life? Norm Sally was ordained in 1992 and has followed God's call into three different communities in Southern Ontario. Since 2005, he has been the supervising minister at Jubilee United Church in Toronto, 
Norm delights in preaching, liturgy, and supervising interns and students. Currently a member of the General Council Executive and a member of the Indigenous Justice and Residential Schools Committee, as well as a variety of conference and presbytery committees. He will retire from them all just in time to chair the new Board of Vocations for the United Church of Canada. In real life, Norm considers himself a husband, father, preacher, musician, supporter of justice, and of the arts. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your eyes. And God, may I never lightly presume to preach your word, and may we never lightly presume to hear your word, for in your word is abundant life. Amen. I really don't like this passage of Scripture. I, don't get me wrong, I, I love Scripture. I love the song of Hannah that follows the story we just heard in Samuel. And I love the story of Samuel. I do like the idea of Hannah praying with such passion or desperation that Eli, watching her, assumed that she was drunk. Drunk people coming to the temple. Yeah, I can preach that. But I don't want to preach this story. And it's not the cruelty of the story, the cruelty of a society in which Hannah is valued by her ability to give birth. Being infertile, she feels worthless. It's not the cruelty of Hannah's rival wife mocking her for not being able to conceive. No, no, what makes it so hard for me is that Hannah prayed and was able to conceive. I have friends who would dearly love to have a child. Others who have been through every treatment imaginable, spent money, time, energy, and hope, only to find that it will not happen. And this story is hurtful to them. It seems to say, if you just pray, it would all work out. Which is almost as infuriating as, just don't try so hard. Stop worrying. It'll all happen. Sometimes it doesn't. And it hurts. Like Hannah, my friends begin to feel like failures. And I don't know what to say to them. You know, I pray for peace almost every day. I pray for my enemies because Jesus told me I should. And yet enemies continue to appear, and they get more bold all the time. My friends to the right, my friends to the left, they yell at each other through me, and all I can hear is each other's pain. And I pray like a drunk in the temple, and the pandemic continues. Violence goes on. Racism is not gone. Truth is hard to find. Reconciliation seems like a pipe dream. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. It's great that in the Bible, prayers always seem to be answered. Hannah gets a baby, but in real life, it's not like that. I pray, and still loved ones get Alzheimer's, and friends die. A lot of friends die, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to say. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. I I've gone too far, and I don't know what to do next. We know that prayer, right? 
The prayer that comes out in desperation, even before we know it, even without our thinking, oh God, no. Oh God, please, no. Even those who don't believe in prayer, those who are non-theist, atheist, post-theist, beyond all of that ist, modern, right-thinking, rational people, in a desperate moment, I was speaking with my hairstylist, and yes, this hair is a style, and she is a remarkable woman. Mid-30s, hardworking, owns her own salon, actually two. Cuts the hairs of celebrities and funky cool nobodies and people like me, and she has worked hard, just had a baby. She has some of the best tattoo work I have ever seen. Raised in a faith that no longer speaks to her. Her friends are largely atheist, and she is not a churchgoer. But she remembered bringing her baby home for the first time and taking a shower and then just talking out loud in gratitude while she showered, just speaking of her daughter and her joy at having such a wonderful baby. In the pandemic, the industry has not been good to her. Uh, closed and shuttered for public safety, they barely hung on. And then reopening came in our area, which just saved her business and her employees. But then weeks later, shut down again. It was an absolute disaster for her and all of those in her employ. And she talked to me about it. And she said she cried, and then she cried more. And she had a shower and began talking to herself in the shower, hoping for, hoping, hoping for something else to happen. I asked her why she did it. She said, I didn't know what else to do. I asked her gently, were you talking to yourself? No, I don't think so. Maybe, no, no. My friend is not much different from the rest of us. I mean, we are modern, intelligent people, and we're pretty sure that we're not talking to ourselves. But, but, as we talked then, and as I have talked to many others since then, we agree that there is something special about these quiet conversations. These hopes, these fears that we speak of in the shower, in the silence of our minds, in the intimacy of church. They have meaning, and we do it because deep down we know that they matter. It's just that we don't know how to describe it. We lack the words. And we don't want to seem like idiots, so we don't talk about it. But we do it. In so many similar conversations, my friends are very clear that they don't believe in a cosmic concierge uh, who gets us what we ask because we're on the team, or because we ask the right way, or we ask so often, or we ask with so many people that we won this service God over to our wishes. No. I think that many of us are afraid to talk about prayer because, well, we don't want to endorse a partisan, petty God who works for us and not for others, who smiles upon Hannah but doesn't care at all about Abigail. So Norm, do you believe in prayer? Or is it just something that you say to us when we share our concerns with you? I'll pray for you. It's not just something I say. I really do believe in prayer. I believe that it matters and that it makes a difference. I learned about prayer from my parents as a little boy saying grace before dinner and prayers before bed. And I told God what I had done that day, and I asked God to take care of the people I knew and loved. In Sunday school and in church, the tradition continued. 
And then years later, experiencing the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous with a loved one, I experienced prayer in a very real way. I met people, became dear friends with people who prayed like drunks in church, prayed for a new way of living, prayed out of their torment, prayed out of their need, prayed like their lives depended on it. And I saw prayers change lives, millions of them. Yeah, prayer works. I know that Jesus prayed and invites me to do the same, so I do it. I pray for help, and sometimes it arrives in a person who has, well, who has what I lack in that instance. Or sometimes my eyes are opened, and I discovered that I don't need the solution that I thought I needed, that all I needed was a different perspective. I realize that death is not an enemy, that love is what matters, that life and love are hard but not ever defeated by hatred. Because God sent me a solution or because I found another way within myself, I can't say either with provable certainty. But prayer works, makes a difference in my life. The same way that I know chocolate is good, I can't tell you why chocolate is good. I just know that when I eat it, I'm happy. I know that when I pray, things are different. Yeah, prayer works. Oh God, oh God, I'm rambling now. Recognize that prayer? I don't endorse a theology of the cosmic concierge who waits for me to ask politely before doing my bidding. I do endorse a living God who dwells within me and throughout all of creation. And I am in relationship with that living God. And in relationship, I find strength that I never thought I could have. I find peace that comes with the knowledge that it's not all about me. And I find that miraculous things happen, sometimes in action, sometimes in revelation. You'll notice in the story, Hannah negotiates with God. God, if you do this for me, give me a child, I will give you back the child. If you do this for me, I will do that for you. Do you see it? I think we recognize that prayer, even when we don't want to admit it. Oh God, if I get through this, I promise I'll never do it again. Oh God, if I could just win the lottery or get that raise, find the job, have this thing I want so much, I promise that I will give more money to the church. I'll do good works. Honest God, I will. But I think there's something else going on with Hannah. It's not just negotiation with a seemingly fickle despot. It's actually relationship that's being formed. It's a back and forth engagement. It's authenticity, not hopeful piety. But let's remember, Hannah lived in a world where there was no such thing as a free lunch. Nobody ever gets something for nothing. Sound familiar? She is a woman in a society that values her first and foremost for her ability to produce children, which she cannot do. And so, Feeling like she has no intrinsic value, being unworthy of consideration, never mind special consideration, she negotiates. She does her best to offer something of value. And notice that she believes that she is of so little value that the one thing she has to offer doesn't even exist yet. A child yet to come. She is revealing to God who she thinks that she is, 
in terms that are very real to her. I have no value now, but later I might. This is not who she hopes she will be or who she thinks will impress God. She is being absolutely honest, painfully honest. And that's the beginning of real relationship. That's the essence of real prayer. This is who I am, God. I'm not great. Parts of me are okay, but other parts, you know. When I pray, I, uh, I joke with God. Seriously, I do. Because that's who I am, and somehow in the absurdity of humor, I feel authentic. God, remember me? I'm the guy that prays for the teams that never seem to win. You know, like it might make a difference. <sighs> I guess, God, you'd know that I'm hopeful anyway, right? Please, please, God, help me be the minister that my community needs. Help me be the husband that my wife needs. Help me make a positive difference in the lives of my children. Keep me from closing up and shutting down when things get to be too much. God, let me be a source of hope in an angry and confused world. I'm in a real relationship with God, so there's no point in me trying to sound like the Pope. I need to be me. And being me, I pray for my children and my wife and my sports teams and I pray for leaders and followers and those who are paying the highest price for COVID. Not necessarily that order, nor under the impression that my children are more important than your children or that my wife is of greater value, well, than a refugee hoping to get into Canada. I pray that way because that's who I am right now. I am those worries and those pains. And in the midst of such concerns, I also give thanks. Because, you know, I got home yesterday and my wife had made potato and bacon soup. And we lit a fire and we watched some TV and fell asleep knowing that our children are fine and most of our bills are paid. I love my life. And if we're in a relationship, I don't ever want to take that for granted. God needs to know that I love my life. And when I pray, I, I listen because it's a relationship. I listen to the cosmic intoning. I listen to that still, quiet voice within, and it provokes me. It, it, it beckons me. It invites me into new ways, new insights. And I can feel my pettiness and fears lifted in the light, and I let them go. I face my cowardice, and I dare to try. I experience my humanity and recognize it in Jesus paired with the divine in Jesus. And then I realized, wait a minute, we're not separate. We're together in relationship. I am not alone. <laughs> in relationship, I am influenced by the other. I am who I am because of my wife and my children and my friends and all of those folk with whom I'm in relationship. And I am influenced by God. I don't do everything my wife asks me. I probably should. I am not at my children's beck and call, but I love them and I ache for them and I let them into my life. I hope for them 
I don't do everything that my church community hopes that I will do, but I hear the concerns and the worries, and I smile at the joys, and I rush to be with people in times of grief and pain because we are in relationship. I listen to God, and often I follow bravely. Sometimes I drag my feet. Occasionally I pretend that I didn't hear. But all of these relationships make me who I am. And I realize relationships are a two-way street. So as I am influenced by God, so is God influenced by me and you. God does not do everything that we ask. God is not solely at our beck and call, but God loves us, aches for us, hopes for us, and lets us into God's life. God doesn't do everything we ask of God. God sometimes disappoints us, but God does hear our concerns and our worries. God smiles at our joys and rushes to our sides in the times of grief and pain. But relationships are two-way. As I'm influenced by God, so is God influenced by me and by you. God does not do everything we ask. God is not solely at our beck and call, but God loves us and aches for us, hopes for us, and lets us into God's life. No, God doesn't do everything we ask of God. God sometimes disappoints us, but God hears our concerns and our worries smiles at our joys, and rushes to be at our side in times of grief or pain because we are in relationship. And because we're in a real relationship, we also know that God is influenced by us. That's how relationships work. In Jesus, we are promised the permanency of such a relationship because Jesus is both human and divine, now and forever, God and us in relationship a relationship that cannot be changed. So yeah, prayer matters. It's the essence of relationship. Prayer works, even if we don't know exactly how to talk about it. Oh, thank God that's over. Amen. We will now sing together, uh, Voices United 400, Lord, listen to your children. Throughout history, people have supported their faith through their gifts, tithes, and offerings. 
We honor this tradition. We honor God and we honor ourselves as we participate in this faithful giving. Let us present our offerings. Our offerings will now be collected. Great calling God, we thank you for your provocation to give generously of our love and offerings. We dedicate these offerings and our lives to you and your way, as Hannah and others have inspired us to do. Amen.
When we pray together in community, the concerns of each of us, spoken or unspoken, are shared by all of us. We continue our response to God by joining our hearts together in prayer. God, you who unite us with our ancestors of faith, help us listen. Help us listen and pray with Hannah, who yearned for love made known. Help us listen and know you listen to our prayers as you listened to our great-grandmother Hannah's prayers. My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in God. There is no holy one like you, our maker, no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. We seek your help, God our maker, to help us not let arrogance come from our mouths, but to allow kindness and hope to spread from our tongues. Those who are hungry get fat, while those who were full seek bread. You seek our help in turning the world upside down. Help us pour out generosity, all that we can share, inspiring others to do the same. Like Hannah, God of love, we have known grief and those who mourn are all around. Comfort all who grieve for what has ended and for those things never began. Like Hannah, God of love, we give you thanks for the relationships that sustain us, even in times of illness and pain. Shower down on those we need strength and health. And now, God of love, like Hannah, we return to our daily living, and we will wait to see what you will fill us with in your inspiration to love and to receive love. We ask all this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who sees all as the first arrived, even the last, latest or last. We say each in the language of our hearts the Lord's Prayer in his name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our closing hymn is a good old rousing United Church hymn, Voices United, 675, Will Your Anchor Hold?
and we will say in unison our sending forth. Our scripture this morning provokes us and reminds us to pray diligently and love generosity. How provocative. With good deeds and kindness, generosity and forgiveness, we enter into the world God made. With extravagant loving of God and our neighbor, we will provoke one another to love. Go in peace. i 